welcome to the Igniting Change and Transforming Cultures podcast. I'm Shan Jones and I'm really excited to be back here with you. It's been a while since we've had a podcast, but we are back with a bang today because we are talking about, well, the ultimate story of triumph against the odds, of overcoming your limiting stories and beliefs and finding your inner self-belief. And the person that I'm interviewing today is none other than my fellow co-host, Katia Noble. And the reason that I'm interviewing Katia is because Katia has just swum the English Channel. And this journey has not been an easy journey. Not only has it been many years and multiple training sessions in the making, it's also been a journey of overcoming both physical and mental barriers. And today we're going to explore the journey to the English Channel and during the swim of the English Channel and how some of her learnings can be translated to life and to work as well. So without further ado, I'm really excited to be sharing Katya's journey with you today. (laughs) I am excited to talk to you, Katya. It's been ages since it has been ages. Spoken on in a podcast setting. So Katya, you're just back from the UK. I am just swum the English Channel in an incredible time. How how long did it take you? Uh, it was twelve hours and forty two minutes. <laughs> wow, so less than <laughs> and I hours. felt every and twelve di- hours and forty two minutes. <gasps> And, and and the and the distance of the channel, how how long is that? Uh, twenty one miles or thirty five kilometers. Thirty five kilometers. Wow! And bearing in mind that someone like myself managing to to do two laps of a swimming pool is <laughs> quite an achievement. So that, that you've got to start somewhere, Sean. You've got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure I, I'm ever going to swim the English Channel, but um, I want to hear all about your journey in firstly I mean the the obvious question which I imagine everyone wants to know is why like why would you want to swim the English Channel I think the two most common questions I get is why and and are you going to rub yourself in goose fat that's the second (laughs) second most common question so let me start with the first one um the why I think um a couple of reasons I suppose I, I swim in a squad um that has been set up for ocean swimming so I I train in a pool but on the weekends we're all in the ocean and over the years I have had a number of friends that have swum the English Channel so that's always I guess I've I've been surrounded by it so that's where the idea bubble came from Um, and then the second thing was over time that sense of I suppose when I first saw people doing the channel I never ever believed that I would be able to do it um it was just something I didn't even consider you know it's like oh that's nice they've obviously got this superhuman gene that I don't have and so therefore amazing for them and um and I'll just watch these people do these wonderful things and over time I guess my curiosity peaked and it was like well why not why can't I do something like that and uh and so I did it as a goal to stretch myself because I have this thing where just a a deep deep desire to go beyond what I think is humanly possible Uh, and it's not so much a physical thing it's probably more a mental thing because I know that physically I can do you know you just put the training in and and you can 
um, be fit enough, but it was more the mental stamina that I knew would be needed to kind of get over, you know, to be able to do it. And that was probably why I wanted to stretch that part of me. Mm, and I think that's really interesting because when you, you said, um, you know, going beyond what is humanly possible, you'd obviously seen that it's possible for other people. So it was beyond what you felt was yeah, it humanly call. possible for Katya. Yeah. Yeah, because I look, there's a couple of things with that swim that's really challenging. One is that, it, you know, it's known as a cold water swim. So generally, um, you know, the channel can be anywhere between um, 16 degrees. Well, during the summer that we, we swim it in, it's any, anywhere between 15 and probably 20 degrees. Um, and you're in the water for a very long time, obviously. So even um, doing a swim in 18 degrees takes an enormous amount of cold training. And I've had several incidences where I've been, you know, nearly hospitalised because of hypothermia. So the cold had always been this massive, massive challenge for me. Um, and is and that so where the goose fat comes yeah. in? Well, it's funny. That's what people think, right? People go, oh, you must mm. cover yourself in goose fat to keep warm. And maybe when Des Renford did it many, 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 many years ago, maybe that's what, what they thought. But ultimately, the we call it channel grease and it's a mixture of zinc, lanolin and Vaseline. And the reason we put that on, the zinc obviously is for sun, sunscreen, but the rest is actually to stop chafing because when you're swimming for such a long time, you, the, the friction of the salt on your skin will just tear the skin off, literally. So you, you put it on so that it's a, basically a lubricant and you don't get that chafing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so goose fat may or may not be a myth. But interestingly, Katya, um, everybody I've told about your swim they've asked the same question, same question. So it's not yeah, just no, it's funny. <laughs> it, 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 I think what maybe the, there's an iconic image of um of Des Renford going into the channel and he's covered in white you know he's covered in this stuff and and may as I say maybe back then I mean there, there is an element of warmth to it because if you think about the wind that's on your back it creates a little bit of a layer but if I you know it's just there's no way it keeps you warm it might mm. give you a little bit of protection but very limited so was that the biggest challenge in the lead up was the the getting used to the cold would you say that was the biggest challenge or was it the the, the actual training the lengths you had to go to yeah look probably um probably a bit of everything to be honest I think the the cold for me as I say had always been a bit of a bugbear so it was relentless training in cold and by relentless I mean you know during the week I'd do four training sets in a pool so there's no problem with that that's quite warm which it, it then mean on the weekend that I would do anywhere up to eight hours um, on a Saturday um, just training in really cold water and and by cold I think the coldest I swam in was 13 degrees and I probably stayed in there for four hours um, and then I did a qual I had to do a number of well I had to do one qualifier which was under six hours under 16 and um, I did one in Melbourne where I did six hours 45 and I did another one in Sydney which was eight hours um, so it was just there's no and then you don't have any time off right so I you've got a full-time job mm -hmm. I would train from five six thirty in the sorry six o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock um, then I'd go and do a full day's work 
I'd also do two training sets of weights because weights is really good just to kind of keep your tone um, and also protect your body from the fatigue. And then on the weekends, you'd have those eight-hour swims that you're doing. So I guess it was the cold and also the relentless nature of the training, which, you know, you enjoy parts of, but equally there's no off. You know, it's a bit like studying. You've always got to be on. And and in addition to to that training, I remember you doing things like having ice baths and and a swim where you you shared a photograph with our team of you swimming and there was snow on either side of the river. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the one of the things I did um, every year, you try and have a goal. So I think it was two years ago. Now I did an ice mile which is swimming for a mile under three, under five degrees. And um, wow. the day that I did my ice mile, which was up in Crackenback Lake, um, it never, sl- it never slows, really snows in Crackenback. Very infrequently it does. And of course the night before I was due to do my swim, it snowed, which made for great photos, but my God, was that cold, you know, the air temperature was minus three and then I'm jumping into a pool of three degrees and having to swim up and down the lake for, I think it was 32 minutes. Wow. And um, if I remember correctly, I and I may have this story wrong, but didn't you were almost at the finishing line and and then you found yourself getting into a bit of trouble. Yeah. And um, Katya, what did your beautiful husband do? <laughs> well, this is, and this is a case in point for the channel, right, and why I was doing it. So I got to, so they'd measured the, they'd actually incorrectly measured the distance. So, I put my head up and said, how much further have I got to do? And they said 200 metres, which was about six different laps, six laps of the the course that we were doing in this lake. And I just knew I couldn't make it. I just knew I couldn't do six. So I, I, in my head, I just went, I'm done. I can't do it. I've got, I'm quitting. And so um, at that stage, I had no feeling in my arms or my legs, Um, my face. I couldn't actually speak very well. I was very hypothermic and I was hanging on to the kayak that was supporting me. Um, And I have to tell you this, that when I was hanging on to the kayak, a little thing in my brain was going, if you can hang on to this kayak, why couldn't you be swimming? Wow. And anyway, look, I'd called it by that stage. I had to, you know, and and no one could get to me because I couldn't get out. I was in the middle of this lake. So my husband um, jumped in the water (laughs) to come and say, fully clothed to come and, pull me off this kayak to get me in um, and there's a famous photo of another colleague of mine um, who was up there doing the ice smile as well who stripped off and he had pizza undies on and so this photo of my husband in the in the lake uh, with my friend in pizza undies carrying me out is is now um, I don't know what you'd call it whether you'd say folklore <laughs> <laughs> no photo it's a photo on um in the telegraph it was a photo in the telegraph the next day because they were doing an article on ice miles um so yeah it's very funny and, and the uh, my friend has never been forgotten for the pizza undies but my, my no, poor husband who was, who was saving me he didn't even get a mention <laughs> oh well i'm 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 sure your friend wishes that your husband had got more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why did you strip off? Why did you go in fully clothed? <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm just thinking about what you said about hanging on the edge of that kayak and thinking if you can hang on here, why can't you swim? Mm. How did that story play out for you as someone that's um, always striving to to achieve, you know, to, 
to push your to push yourself what yeah. how did that play out for you afterwards Oh, look, obviously, because I didn't quite make the mile and I thought I'd missed the mile um, by about 200 metres, but I actually had only missed it by 15 metres because they um, they realised after I'd gotten out that they'd incorrectly measured. And so, at, you know, needless to say, there was disappointment. But, but having said that, you're talking to a woman that couldn't stay in 16 degree, degree water for longer than sort of half an hour to mm. swim for 30 minutes under three I knew I'd achieved a huge milestone but there was it was a little seed that was planted which made me recognize that physical achievement is one thing but the mental stamina that's needed to go beyond is actually what's going to be the difference between success and failure that your body you know without being stupid right I'm not suggesting you put yourself in harm's way but it was a real life lesson of I. you can go a lot further than you think you can and you just have to trust yeah. that you can and, and and stay in when everything in your body is telling you to get out, your head's going off. You, you, I could have stayed in and finished that. Well, and that's, an, that's a good segue really to, to that mental journey that you went on on the, well, on the day of the swim, but also in the days leading up to the swim. Can you Can you tell me a bit about, about where your mind was at and how you how you found your focus yeah and the, the self-belief as well uh, again a really um yeah for me a very interesting journey so we landed in London on um on a Sunday and I was due to my window because you have a window of opportunity to swim the channel because they actually tell you when to go based on weather conditions so they want to make sure that there's a weather window that's going to get you across and so we landed on the Sunday um, I was due to swim at some probably from the following Wednesday and uh, when I landed in London what was interesting was I hadn't felt stress like that for ages just like just a lot of anxiety and I obviously knew what it was about but um uh, so much so that I think we landed on the Friday on the, and we were due to f drive down to Dover on the Monday. And on the Sunday, I had to do a solo pil pilgrimage to Dover because I just needed to be near the water. I needed to see what I was looking at. I needed to see the environment. I needed to get in the water. Um, and that calmed me down a lot. That gave me a lot of hope and focus because I realised, yeah, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do this. And we're coming down tomorrow and we're, you know, I'll have plenty of time to... Um, to sort of acclimatise. But I guess in a COVID world, the other thing that was really hard was just trying not to get sick, you know, like I was very focused on putting a mask on, having, um, making sure I was washing my hands all the time. Um, my husband started to get a bit of a cough and a little bit of a, a sniffle. And my parents were also in London. So I left the hotel and said right you're staying on your own and went and stayed with my parents in their apartment so I did everything I possibly could because I thought I just I can't afford to get sick anyway best laid plans um we got down to Dover on the Monday I started to notice that I was feeling a lot sicker you know just really bad mm. headache starting to cough um, I'd gone to see the skipper straight away so that, you know, I could meet the boat and, his, and the captain and what, you know, what he was going to tell me. Um, and we agreed that I would swim on the Thursday. 
unfortunately on the Wednesday I woke up feeling very sick and I was coughing and couldn't breathe properly and my one of my support crew said well you need to do a COVID test which I thought oh it's not COVID it's just, I've caught this bloody cold from my husband anyway lo and behold I actually had COVID so I had to cancel a swim on that Thursday and I have to say that was a very low moment because I you know I've had yeah. another swim that I couldn't swim because I got bronchitis so it did it just felt like the world was against me at that stage so mentally that was tough because mentally everything gets thrown out the window when you can't do the swim when you need to because you you lose that window and then all of a sudden you're on this waiting list and so then you could swim anytime you know and so I um anyway look the, the next, I had a very low day that day. The next day I went for a swim for half an hour just to test my lungs. See, I felt it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad, you know, terrible. And then on the Friday I did an hour down at Dover and I was very hyper aware of my lungs, but I, um, there was a moment in that swim where I looked up and the cliffs were above me and I just saw, and I had this surge of, you know what, enough, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I don't, my lungs are fine. I have got COVID, but I feel fine. Like the headache had gone. So I kind of went, I'm going to do it. And I have to say, it's probably a, a, the most poignant moment in my life of self-belief of just not even self, not self-belief that I could do it, but self-belief of this is the decision I'm making and this is what mm. I'm going to do. So I rang the skipper. I made sure my crew were okay, that they thought that they didn't, you know, that they were okay with me swimming because of course it's a lot of pressure on the crew members as well you know they've got got to take care of you and uh so that that then meant that at 12 o'clock on the friday it meant that we had to go and do the shopping and make sure that we were you know that i had some sleep and and i i actually did about four hours i slept for four hours in the day by putting um podcast of meditation on loop which was ended up being yep. fantastic because all the time that I was swimming, the meditation was actually playing out in my head. Um, so, yeah. So I, I guess that was the lead into it. Incredibly stressful, incredible, you know, what do you call it? Like a roller coaster. Yeah. And, and it makes me, it makes me think Katya of the, the difference between resilience and anti-fragility. Mm. So resilience is that ability to bounce back mm. but actually what you displayed in that moment when you had that commitment looking up at those cliffs and going I'm going to do this to me it spoke more of anti-fragility because mm. you had that complete self-belief it isn't just I'll, I'll bounce back from this I'll do it in three weeks time it's it's actually I can do this yeah that intrinsic mm. self-belief which is not, it's rare, you know, like it's, I mean, I don't know about you, like I, some people I know have that all the time. I don't, I definitely don't have it. Um, so it was, it, it, in some ways it was a surprising moment, if you like. And, mm. um, and that is the one thing that I think kept me going through, um, through the swim. A friend had, um a friend had once said to me, I think it was when I was going to do a cold camp and she said, just remember pain is temporary. And that's probably the lesson I got from the ice mile and also Catalina was how quickly I'd recovered from those scenarios, like quickly as in hours that you go, gee, if I can recover in an hour, surely I can do, you know, maybe I could have gone further. And um, 
at Dover, I've just got to tell this quick story, but at Dover, there's a yeah, cafe that we would go to every morning. And I went there with my husband um, on the Wednesday or the Tuesday and we had coffee and didn't think anything of it. Then on, on the on the Thursday, a friend of mine had arrived or Wednesday, a friend of mine had arrived and um, we went to the same coffee shop and she was the one that had said to me, pain is temporary. Um, I never knew the rest of the quote and I looked up in this cafe and on one side of the door, the door, um, what do you call it, frame, it said pain is temporary and along the top it said, and quitting lasts forever. And straight away, I was like, oh, my God, that's a sign. Like, it's an absolute sign that, one, I'd been here before, hadn't seen that. But, two, that when I saw it, there was this second part of the quote. And it's just, it was the defining moment of that swim was that is the premise that I went into it, is pain is temporary, quitting lasts forever. And I've experienced that on other swims where I have given up. And not without reason. Like, there have been, you know, obviously there have been challenges. But... This took me to a whole new level where it's like you could overcome those challenges to actually go, I'm going to keep going. I'm going mm. to keep going and I'm just going to keep swimming and I'm going to keep um, just, yeah, turning my arms over, if you like. Yeah, so so tell me, um, for, for those listening that, well, majority of listeners won't have been part of the day, but Katya had a, a WhatsApp group. Um, with a, probably a couple of hundred people that were <laughs> following following Katja's journey, and she also had a tracker on on the ship, the the boat that was alongside her. So a lot of us here in Australia and probably around the world were 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 following, and her support crew were putting um, comments in and telling us that you were having your your feeds at, at thirty minute intervals and and that sort of thing. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting was that one of your girlfriends said that you weren't saying anything in those feeds you were so focused you did not speak and and that made me think I wonder what was what was going through your mind during mm. during the the swim and 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 why and why not speak what was or perhaps you were just so yeah. focused you couldn't speak I yeah it uh, look b- bizarre to me too because people that know me know that I love to drop an f-bomb every now and then and so they were a bit surprised <laughs> that I wasn't dropping f-bombs they actually didn't believe it um I remember um the first time I realized I wasn't speaking was this is, there was a couple of reasons one every 30 minutes you have a feed and the aim of that feed is obviously to get quick calories down into you but the longer you stop um, in those feeds, the longer you're going to have to swim because the tide moves so fast that it pulls you backwards. So you really do need to throw it down, your, you know, your, your mouth and just keep going. Um, but at one stage, uh, they said to me, oh, look, Anna's going to get in, swim with you. Do, you. do you want that? And I just stared at them and just kept swimming. I just kind of went, I don't have an opinion on anything. And I think it was because I was just so focused. Every ounce mm-hmm. of energy in me, was going to staying focused and staying positive and to keep going. And, and if I had to disconnect from that focus, then I was, I, I, I didn't think I thought about this at the time, but obviously there was a, I just knew I had to stay on. I had to stay that focused. Every ounce of energy had to go into the swim because the amount of, you can imagine the amount of calories or the amount of energy that's consumed in a 12 and a half our swim is quite significant. So it's kind of like I just had nothing left in me to give anyone else. I just had to go and go, this is it. This is my swim and I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. 
Well, you probably will have seen if you I imagine that you read back over the WhatsApp that we were creating a story for you yep. around what was going on. So there was a whole free the pee when oh, yeah, um, yep. the, the crew decided you, you <laughs> needed to needed our wee. So there was a lot of a lot of comments around that and yes. um, you know, a lot of people wanting to follow the understand more about the feeds and certainly my daughters um were following your journey there was a, a whole bevy of little girls I think that were oh, really inspired, oh that's gorgeous inspired by um your story going going on in the background I guess um I'm interested you, you were so focused yet you didn't want to create um or have any other thoughts infiltrate mm. what were the thoughts that were going on for you at over those 13 hours? I think the first three hours were the hardest um, mentally. Um, you get in, I got in at 3.45, so it's dark. The water, um, it wasn't cold for me, but, you know, it is cold. And mm. um, and because I had COVID and because I'd had an experience, um, I once, I did Catalina four years ago, which is a 35-kilometre swim from Catalina to LA, Los Angeles. And I... Um, I ended up only doing nine and a half hours. I was probably about three hours off finishing it and they had to pull me out because I had pulmonary edema and um, my lungs had filled up with water. And so I had that running in my head of like, you've got COVID, you're swimming, you're never going to make this, you know. And so I was very aware of my breath and all of that sort of stuff. So that the first three hours was very focused on trying to displace that and kind of, yep, I can hear you. Thanks very much for sharing. And I'm just going to keep going. Um, the rest of the swim was probably, uh, there was a couple of things. There was a song I'd heard, bit naff this, by the way. Um, there's a song I'd heard the day before I swam by Whitney Houston called One Moment. And it really spoke to me because mm -hmm. it was very much about a, a song about, just give me this moment to show that I can be more than I think I am. And so I had that, you know, I was, was sort of playing that in my head. I was playing the meditation. Um, I think I, I might've said to you with the pain is temporary, um, quitting is forever. I'd written that on my arm so I could always see it. So as I was swimming, I was sort of, you know, thinking of those things. And then there were definitely moments, you know, where it was like, just enjoy this. Like, because it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. It was um, very, like, a bit rocky at the start, but most of it was very calm. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of like, you're doing this, you know. You're in the middle of English Channel and you're swimming it. So just enjoy it. And so that that was, they were the nice moments, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure, I don't know, it's funny when you reflect back on it, you can't remember, I can't remember very little, like of, you know, I mean, it's 12 and a half hours. And I suppose if you had to reflect on the last 12 and a half hours, whether you'd remember everything you'd done, it's the same sort of thing. But yeah, I, I just remember moments of the, you know, I think there was a two-hour patch in the middle actually, where most of my my focus was going onto the jellyfish that were underneath me, which were stinging jellyfish. So I was trying to crab crawl over them so I didn't get stung. Um, wow. One one little blighter got me, but that was the only one. So yeah, just different things. And and you know, I'd look up and I'd see the the captain of the boat would be giving me the thumbs up and jing me along, and they you know they were the beautiful moments where you go, wow, how lucky am I? There was one moment where I saw one of, because there was two captains, one of the captains was on the other side of the boat fishing and I was a bit pissed by that because I was like, what do you mean I'm swimming all this way and you're fishing? <laughs> <laughs>
Just catching your dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think they caught anything though. And and what about though that I guess those last say two hundred meters as you as you came into shore, how did that feel? Oh, that was do you know, um there was a couple of pieces of advice people gave me for the swim. One is just accept that it's going to be a long day out. That was probably the best piece of advice. The other one was don't look forward because the shoreline, once you get close enough to France, whilst it looks close, it can be far. When it looks far, it might be close because the tide moves you along the coastline. And um, and so I'd had a bit of a set to with one of my support crew who'd given me a telling off because I'd kept lifting up my head to look because I could mm. see the shore and I could see that it was coming, you know, I was getting closer to it. Anyway, so she told me I wasn't allowed. And then um, they gave me a feed and I mustn't have heard. She she said to me, this is your last feed, which basically means you've got less than 30 minutes to go. And I'm probably pleased I didn't hear it because 30 minutes when you know you're about to finish could seem like a very, very, very long time. So one of the support crew who was a, who's also a swimmer, she got in next to me. She swam, she swam in with me. Um, there's a man in the Channel Association, that, a French guy that always comes down to meet channel swimmers, which is pretty hard to do because we all finish at slightly different points. And I'd messaged him jokingly saying, hey, Patrice, um, I'm swimming tomorrow. I'd love to see your face on the beach. Not thinking anything of it. Anyway, as I'm swimming, all of a sudden I see this speedboat come next to me and there's Patrice with a whole group of people cheering and they've got flags. Wow. So that that was really incredible. And then probably the last 15, maybe 50 metres, 100 metres, um, I started to see the shore because it's quite a steep shoreline. And so I started to see the shore and I just remember speaking into the water going, I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Because I was just, I was talking to myself, just kind of going, oh my God, you're here. I can see the, you know, this is the only time you can, only, the only time I could see the ground was when I was literally about to hit the shoreline and get out. So it was an incredible feeling of almost disbelief actually of, oh my God, I'm at France. I'm in France. I'm in France. I had no idea where I was. So there was some random people lying on the beach. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I'm sure they thought I was the sea monster coming out of the sea, looking like, you know, looking like death with all the white all over me. <laughs> oh, they're probably a, used to it down on. Yeah, down well, they might well be. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right, you know, like, because generally the, um, the immigrants that are escaping are generally going from France to England, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, it must have been like such an incredible moment. And I, there's a, a wonderful picture of you stood on the beach with your with your friend from your support crew, you know, touching land. And then you and then you basically just have to get back on the boat, don't you? Like you can't, you don't you, you don't have your passport with you, so you can't you can't just go and stay in a hotel in yeah, in no, that's that right. Night, can you? you? You do have so we had to before we left England. You do have to take your passport with you, and the the boat submits um, documentation. But yeah, you're not allowed to stay. Um, I probably could have stayed a bit longer than I did because <laughs> we got to the beach, and it's it's a tradition that you take a stone from the English Channel and the you know a stone from the French side as well. And so Anna's there, my girlfriend's there, picking up all of these stones and taking selfies of us both, and. 
I quite literally didn't say anything to her and just went, I saw the boat and I knew I had to swim back to it. And I was like, if I stay on this shore any longer, I'm not going to be able to swim to the boat. <laughs> so mm. I quite literally just dove back in the water and swam to the boat, which was about 100 metres offshore. And she evidently, she turned around and went, oh, okay, the moment's over. <laughs> we'll go back to the boat then. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, quite literally me just worrying that if I, yeah, if I, because you just have to swim back, right? Like, but a hundred meters after 12 and a half hours can feel like a kilometer, you know, several kilometers. So it was just like, okay, just get there, just get there, get back on the boat. And then you can, you know, they can warm you up and yeah, get back to, get back to England. Wow. And that, that boat journey back must've just felt exhilarating to be sitting there knowing that you'd achieved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it was a great, uh, just a just the, the hugest relief you can ever feel, you know, like, oh, my God, it's over. I've done it. Um, they gave me a bucket. So they, they, you know, Helen got me undressed really, really quickly to warm me up because you do get very cold even in 18 degrees. Mm. And um, she said, look, here's a bucket. I hate to tell you this, but you're probably going to throw up on the way back because it's very common. And I was waiting for that to happen and I actually didn't at all, you know, like I was completely lucid, completely fine. Um, I think the, the thing that shocked me the most was how long the boat ride took, you know, it was two and a half hours on the boat. And I'm like, oh, I just swam this, like, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what the, what wow. was I thinking? <laughs> but I remember Katya um, probably a month or two out from you going to the UK and you and I had a conversation and you'd just done a swim, I think in Melbourne, mm. and and you'd you'd got out before you got out before you'd hoped to, mm. but within the sort of within the the time frame that your coach had said it was okay to. Yeah. And and you were you were disappointed with yourself mm. because you felt like you could have stayed in. And I remember us having a conversation around um, ways that you could um, you know give yourself that that kick up the bum to stay yep. in a bit, to stay in longer. And we talked about breaking through. Mm. And, and I, so I'm interested in, and what doing this, what you really learned about yourself and your ability to, mm. to ba- break through those, those limiting beliefs that you mm. have, those, those stories. I remember in a previous um, podcast that we talked about, um, we talked with Cassandra Goodman and we talked about the DJs in our mind, those, yeah, those limiting totally. beliefs and stories that we had. So wonder what you've, what you've discovered about those stories and, and how, how you've beaten them. Mm. I, I think, I think the um, breakthrough definitely, um, definitely featured in my swim of like, you know, just especially when I was getting negative, it was like break through these thoughts. Um, and in some ways, I think that was what encapsulated pain is temporary um, uh, quitting is forever because it was that sense of breaking through the pain and and by pain it's not always physical and it really wasn't it was mental pain the mental anguish of, of your mind telling you you can't do this and the repetition of that was huge um, so what I've learned I think is um, and I think I said earlier when I looked at other people doing the channel 
my biggest belief was they have something that I don't. And so therefore it makes sense that they've done it. And also when you look at people doing it, they make, it looks easy, right? Because you don't see what's going on inside. You don't see the, the don't necessarily see the sacrifices they've made or all the training they've done. You just see the success. And in fact, one of our colleagues, Arnie, texted me and said, oh, you know, you made that look like chocolate cake. And I'm like, I can't begin to tell you how unchocolate cake that was, <laughs> you know, like it was mm. more like, you know, it was, it was like swallowing nails in some regards. That sounds terrible because why would you do that? But it was tough. And so I think what I've taught, what I've learned is, you know, success isn't always easy, you know, even for the people that make it look easy, it, it, it's hard work. It's sacrifice. It's, um, it's putting in the hours. You don't go from A to Z overnight. You have to. And that was actually one of the biggest lessons for Catalina when I did that and failed was I'd done Rotnest, which was a 20-kilometer swim. And I signed up to do Catalina for, in four months after that. And I did it on a whim. And I just thought, well, if I can swim 20, I can swim 35 without really thinking. Because all I was thinking about was the physical side. I was, I knew that I could be fit enough to do the physical swim in four months. I had no comprehension of the mental stamina that's needed on something like this. And, and I think that's the lesson I take out in life is that you can't, you know, very few of us get to um, anywhere without a lot of hard work. And I think mm. for me, it's the belief system that I can't, can sometimes be quite strong and it's 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 the the belief now that just because you think you can't doesn't mean you can't yeah it's like which dog am I going to feed am I going to feed the dog that actually says well I don't know if I can and I'm going to give it a go or am I going to feed the dog that just keeps saying you can't you can't you know so it's that's what the biggest lesson for me has been is that suspend judgment in myself and keep going yeah, and that's that's just beautiful. And it, it also makes me think, Katya, I know we've had conversations in the past about how we we can, can compare ourselves to others and judge ourselves based on what others can do. But actually being able to look at others and go, well, they've done that hard work. Mm. So rather mm. than compare myself, mm. I either celebrate the hard work I've done yep. or I go and do, do the hard work. Yeah, totally. Rather, rather than judge myself based Absolutely. on that. And I mean, that also helps, you know, there was, um, there's a woman uh, a couple of years ago uh, named Sarah Thomas, and she's just a phenomenal human being. I don't know how she does what she does. She was diagnosed with cancer and a year later, she, she swam the English Channel. But she didn't just swim the English Channel, she did it four times in a row. So she went England, France, France, England, England, France, France, England, in one go, in 54 hours wow. it took her. And I remember going, you know, like as I was swimming, going, how on earth do you do that? But, but you know, the inspiring thought was like, if she can do it four times, surely I can do it once. <laughs> <laughs> so it yeah. helped. Yes, absolutely. Wow. That's just, it's such an incredible story. And, and I, th I think one that can be translated not just into the field of physical endeavours as well, but those mind games that we play out in our work lives, yep. in, in, in when we're trying to achieve outcomes in our organisations, in, in our personal lives. 
absolutely. Um, ab ab and look, that is the re it wasn't it's not a physical endeavor for me. It is absolutely about a mental endeavor and and you know I always remember my husband because I've always had that self-doubt I suppose and he I did an MBA and he's like I just hope this MBA is going to give you that sense of um that you that you're totally capable of doing anything and I did the MBA and it didn't do that I have to mm. say though this did and I don't know what the difference is maybe it's the accumulation maybe it's the years of wisdom I don't know I don't know what it is but this definitely did that sense of you know it is possible if you want to do something you can do it might not happen overnight and I think that's the other thing like I'm a I'm you know it's probably like most people I want quick gratification it's like I need to reset that thinking into smaller you know small incremental goals then don't go from A to Z in one hit. Like, how do I give my sense that sense of satisfaction that I'm improving um, to 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 a much bigger goal? Because it's easy to kind of go, I can't. Oh, they've done mm. it. Well, it makes um, me think of of the way we describe the portfolio of work. That mm. your your horizon three was to swim the English Channel. That mm. your original horizon one was just to be able to swim in cold water yep. and then and then it was this swimming the distance yep and 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 that was your horizon two perhaps and then there's and then there's finally getting to that horizon three yep. but it's all it's all yeah oh, absolutely I totally believe that and that sometimes that's hard like it's hard if you don't know where you're trying to get to and I never really did know where I was trying to get to I don't think with the swimming because I've often someone else has done it so it's kind of inspires me to want to do something but I think you're right, you know, the more you can, um, yeah, you know, what, what's the what's the 12 month goal? What's the two year goal? What's the three year goal? Um, whether mm. it's, you know, whether it's physical or otherwise. And I came home and it's very common after a big goal like that to feel a bit of a slump, which happened. But, uh, you know, again, the lesson I learned was, well, okay, you know, you don't have to do it right now but what might you like to do next and so I've looked up training you know some uh, I'd like to do a psychology course and um, I've got a few more swims under my belt that I want to want to get done so it's it's yeah it's it's a good thing to have those goals that you can stretch yourself to yeah that's it's such a profound story Katya and um, I know I am and all of our team are just incredibly in awe, but also proud of you because we feel like we've been on some of this journey. We certainly provided oh, you totally you ice cream to fatten it up and <laughs> fatten you up and all of these sorts of things. And I just wanted to note something that I thought was really interesting and it, and it relates to a conversation um, that you and I have had in the past around um, liking to have some certainty around the outcomes and understanding the roadmap. Mm there and mm. one of the things that you spoke about was when you landed in London and you were feeling this anxiety mm. and um and and you needed to, you went to Dover on your mm. on your own so that you could feel the water so that you could see you could you could you could basically see a bit of that roadmap yep. there yep. like and cr to create some sense of comfort and certainty mm. but what I think is just so incredible about your story was that that didn't that didn't provide you with that wasn't what helped you get there 
knowing the roadmap wasn't what helped you get there it may have eased the anxiety a little but it was that moment when you when you looked up at those cliffs on that um on the Thursday or the Friday Mm. and 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 went enough I've got this I can Mm. do it and Mm. that that ultimate self-belief anti-fragility mental strength is is what took you from the UK to France uh, look, you're spot on, and I think um, just in what you were saying, what was what what I was thinking was potentially the angst and the and the anxiety I felt when I first started swimming. You know, um, for the first three hours of that swim, was possibly that sense of I don't know I'm going to get there until I've got there. So it was kind of this fear of not being able to get there, and it's kind of like you got to surrender to it in a sense of go. Well, I don't know. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just and I give it a go and you know we'll see where we land and if I get there I get there if I don't get there there'll there'll be a lesson in it and so yeah, yeah I love I love what you've just just said it's very true you you, you kind of have to just you have to lean into something that you're not sure about but if you've done the work and you've um yeah I, I yeah if you've done the work then there's every opportunity that you might and if you don't then you still get something from it you still you still walk away and you know my failed Catalina attempt was very much a a a lesson in um one understanding the mental requirements of something like marathon swimming and then the ice mile was a was a reinforcement of gee if I can hang on to a kayak then maybe I could have been swimming which was that notion of I've focused on the pain and therefore the pain is telling me to stop so I will rather than what if I just kept going and I get through the pain and I actually finish then pain is temporary and success lasts forever right so it's that Mm. sort of yeah wow well Katja thank you so much for sharing that story I mean the ultimate story of (laughs) self-trust and self-belief and I think that line is going to stay with all of us, regardless of whether we're wanting to do an ultimate physical event or just going through some form of change in our lives or in our in our work. Or um, that pain is temporary, and quitting mm. is forever. Mm. So lean into that discomfort and believe in yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I just need to translate that into every other area of my life and I'll be sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how you get on with that. Yeah, yeah. You can come we'll, back and do I'll, another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In about, in about six months, I'll tell you whether I've translated it yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, love, I love that. You've already set a goal. In six months, I'll be completely Oh, sorted. yeah. I'm going to be totally <laughs> sorted. I'll be, I'll be floating on a mountaintop. <laughs> wonderful awesome um, thanks Sean it's lovely to have a chat yeah great chat